Welcome to Parse, the official podcast of the Elahe Omidyar Mir Jalali Institute of Iranian Studies at the University of Toronto. In Persian, Parse means strolling or wandering around as an observer of contemporary life and modernity. In a similar spirit, our podcast Parse aims to take our listeners on an intellectual stroll in the field of Iranian studies, where they can listen to different ideas from leading thinkers, academics, activists, and authors in the discipline. Our podcast will provide thought-provoking excerpts from lectures and seminars organized by the Iranian Studies Institute at U of T to make the extensive work we do with our partners more accessible to academics and non-academics alike across Canada and beyond. 59th episode of Parse is an excerpt of a lecture given by Razak Khan. Razak's paper revisits the question of desire and the making of poetic subjectivity in the Persian literary archives of South Asia. It examines the nom de plume, life and poetry of Doc Dehubi, Muni Bahijab, and Miryar Ali Khan Jan Sahib in the Persian milieu of 19th century Delhi, Rampur, Calcutta, and Hyderabad. The paper attempts to read poetry as an effective archive of forbidden desires and emotions. Following Lacanian psychoanalytical approach, Khan proposes reading the desire of the other in poetry and to rethink our conventional understanding of gender, sexuality, and subjectivity. Reza Khan is a fellow in the history research group at the University of Göttingen. His book, Minority Pass, Locality, Emotions, and Belonging in Princely Rampur was published by Oxford University Press in 2022. So this lecture series is about poets and poetry. So following other norms, I must begin with the praise of my host, Professor Muhammad Tawakoli Targi. He has been a source of inspiration through his pathbreaking work not just on Iran, but also on South Asia. In fact, he is somebody who wrote one of the earliest articles on the Rampuraza Library collection, when he also theorized a very important concept, the concept of the homeless text of Persianate modernity. This essay was very influential for my own turn to Rampur, which unfortunately has not been studied in English language. It has an extensive scholarship in Urdu though, Okay, so thank you for writing that essay and inspiring other people to pursue this work. Professor Targi continues to not only make an individual contribution, but also created collective spaces like this wonderful colloquium on what he calls Zoomistan, a very important formulation for our times. I joined this colloquium as I'm interested in thinking about affinities, but also differences within the category of the Persian age not just as a shared literary space, but also one with differences and divergences. South Asia, particularly what is often called the Indo-Persianate, precisely is that geography of poetry that allows rethinking both Persianate and Persian. I hope to do so in this paper by looking at Urdu poetry after the abolition of Persian in colonial India, but also sort of look at its literary legacy in princely India in late 19th century. Rampur, as well as Delhi, Lucknow, Calcutta, and Hyderabad becomes part of this larger geography, what Shahab Ahmed has famously called the Balkan to Bengal complex. And I sort of try to sort of destabilize that geography. 
A second reason this colloquium series appealed to me was its sustained focus on poetry, not just as a literary genre or form of expression, but also as an archive. I'm not a literary scholar, but a historian of emotions and archives. With interest in, this is my non-academic interest in Lacanian psychoanalysis, but over the years I have also come to see Lacanian psychoanalysis as a historical method, as a method to read text and archives. Therefore, following this perspective, and I'll explain this as the talk proceeds, I think of poetry as an affective archive of emotion, but not through the conventional history of emotion, which is interested in expression of emotion, which I think is limiting. Whereas a psychoanalytical approach would be more interested in the unexpressed, repressed emotion. So in this talk, I'll be sort of looking at not just expressed emotion, but the unexpressed, the conscious as well as the unconscious. The archive fetish of what Derrida calls archive fever of the historian, uh, historian emotion has been enriched by the promise of a psychoanalytically informed reading of poetry, which allows beyond the surface reading of the text and author to a deeper analysis, and I use the word analysis in a psychoanalytical way, of the unconscious desire and subject formation. And the word subject is important, not just for authorship, but in that sense about subject formation and subjectification through poetry. So I do this in this presentation by exploring the most important literary expression, which in South Asia, Iran, and large part of the world, in fact, is not prose, but poetry. In this paper, I'll be looking at three genres, Ghazal, Masnavi, and Rehti poetry. A note about poetry and genre therefore become important. So the genres are important and I'll come to them because I want to argue that Ghazal, Masnavi and Rehti, Rehti in particular, destabilizes this idea that there is a global Persianate modernity or there's a global Persianate genre form. And I want to suggest that Urdu has to be studied not just as a child of Persian, but it should be studied on its own basis not to make a nationalist argument of Urdu as an Indian language, but perhaps to destabilize the idea of Persianate nationalism itself, and to argue that what is more productive is to think of not similarities, but also differences and divergences. Why is it that race developed in India and not elsewhere? Okay. Now, other, another related innovation made in this colloquium has been a sustained attention to the presence of voices in a world where women have often been studied as object and not the subject of poetry. Now, this remarkable cloaking series has not only brought to light history of female, feminine, or women's poetry and issues of creativity of women's writing. This is both an important and a difficult question in the contemporary moment. As Jacqueline Rose has recently argued in her important book on violence and on violence against women, that we live in a time where women are facing unprecedented violence. This has once again revealed the unbearable violence that constitutes the formation of the category of women itself as a sex subject. We also live in a time where many are critiquing and demanding to open the category of a woman. And I'm here referring to the trans and non-binary discourse about who is a woman. This pull and push on the definition and identity of who is a woman is also a literary and a psychoanalytical question. 
that's also raising another question is there something called women's writing there is no consensus on this issue scholars institutes on women's studies are being criticized for being exclusionary this is both an important identity politics question but also an epistemological question of the present however we risk misreading or misinterpreting history from the contemporary moment into the literary archive it seems to me that scholars of poetry particularly persian with its own gender non confirming one might even call it a post gender pre modern poetry tradition has something to provide answers to these difficult questions or what judith butler calls the gender trouble i wish to move away from butler's argument of a performative theory of gender sexuality and one may add poetry to the list it seems to me that the performative theory of gender has both helped and restricted any deeper attention to issues of embodied desire psychic life of sex a concept that butler also works with and the question of the silence about the subject and the impossibility of what gaiety spiva calls the project of recovering or making the subaltern speak and the impossibility of that project therefore in this paper i wish to highlight engagement with psychoanalysis particularly lacanian psychoanalysis as a historical method of reading poetry with and beyond the gender category poetry is also what french psychoanalyst yorc lacan calls the site of subject formation and perhaps it's a good time to perhaps it's a good time to read an important quote by lacan and i leave you with the quote on the screen this quote represents something important which is poetry as a site of subject formation and articulation as well as repression of the desire for the other the connection between psychoanalysis language and subject formation has brought into what julia kristeva a lacanian inspired literary and linguistic scholar famously calls revolution in poetic language and i'll come to kristeva when i conclude because i differ from her argument that psychoanalysis should not focus so much on the life of the poet but on the text as a historian i think the biographical and the textual needs to be brought into conversation okay but let's move ahead now and i want to say something about lacan's argument here to think of the poem and not the poet the argument that lacan is making this quote is in fact not that profound but an obvious fact of life this colloquium series has already illuminated some of these troubling questions and offered important interventions i'm here thinking particularly about the talks given in the series by farzani milani fatima shams and nilofa khairi and professor zozana olzeska in the series all of them offered different ways of thinking about the sides of finding women subjectivity and poetry in performance and I'm, these are important words that i draw from their presentation so performance is one and i want to think of performance as an important side of poetry remember these are not just text poetry was a performative genre so thinking of performance as a category through poetry the other category that was brought was embodiment by professor hairi and also the concept of threshold something that professor milani brought into this discussion i would like to add the psychoanalytical space as a productive space between embodiment and performance 
one may call it both the threshold as well as the center, the courtyard of women's subject formation and creative expression. Farooq Farooqzad, who has been a constant presence in many of the lectures on poetry as well as on cinema series, another very important series run by Bursa Faragi, as a poet left us with the history, a life of desire, sex, and psyche. It is this psychoanalytical element in her poetry that appeals not just to heterosexual women, but also men and non-heteronormative subjects. Her House of Black, or Hanaisia, can perhaps be read as a symbol of the unconscious darkness, and also the desire for doors, windows, and the light that we all desire. So in a way, I think the Farukzad legacy is important precisely because it can appeal across gender because it, it, it strikes support with the psychoanalytical power of the poetic. Now, with this larger digression, which I believe was necessary to return to history as not just as a site of information, but also as a site of transference between the poets and the reader that I now turn to in my presentation. I will be reading three poets, and I'm using these words in a binary mode for a reason. Three of these poets include a man, a woman, and a gender uh, non-confirming or a gender-bending poet, Miriyarali Jansa. I use these binary categories to bring a certain tension into how we think of poetry. Poetry has its own processes of subject formation, and like psychoanalysis, there are in fact both men and women, but there are subject formation or the processes of subjectification in the relationship with the phallic. This is how Lacan would explain uh, subject formation, that the, it is precisely in relationship with the phallic or the law of the father, and one may even add the law of the mother, that subject formation happens. Thank you for listening to this episode of Parse. Your support is invaluable to us. To like, share, or listen to our latest episodes, please head to our pages on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. To watch the complete seminars, please head to the Elaheo Midyar Mujalali Institute for Iranian Studies website and YouTube page, which are linked in the description. See you again on our next episode.